0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Sweet Stories in the Dell. It's a podcast about what makes Sweetbriar College truly unique. My name is Caperton Morton, and in full disclosure, I'm a Sweetbriar alum. So, the name, Sweet Stories in the Dell. If you don't know, a dell is a valley or a gradual dip in the lay of the land. But instead of farmers, we have parties in the dell at Sweetbriar. Imagine a grassy slope, sort of an informal amphitheater. It's a special weekend afternoon, and that huge green lawn is covered with students sitting with their dates and friends, some on blankets with picnics, others just sitting on the grass. Professors and staffers are there, too, along with their families. And everyone's having a great time while listening to the music. Yep, there's a band, too. It's set up on the bandstand at the bottom of the Dell. So yes, the occasional Dell party is a great way to relax after a week of studies. Now just imagine all the stories created in the Dell, and really all over the campus since 1901 when the college was founded. And over the next few months, I'll be sharing some of these stories about college life, along with academic programs and special events, too. Other stories will focus on the people of Sweet Briar. The people who helped make and continue to make this college a -a one-of-a-kind place to study, teach, and work. Here are some more facts about Sweet Briar. It's a women's college, located in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. The main 22-acre campus is surrounded by 3,200 acres of rolling hills, fields, and forests. There's even a network of trails to explore. And this land is becoming even more of a classroom-slash-laboratory than ever before. Now I'd like to introduce Meredith Wu. The 13th president of Sweetbar College. We meet at Sweetbar House. It's a lovely, rambling home, built in 1790. Then, in 1851, it was enlarged and remodeled to the Italian villa style. Since 1906, all of Sweetbar's presidents have lived at Sweetbar House, including President Wu. She and I sit down together in the home's elegant dining room. It's wallpapered with images of rose bushes with pink blossoms. These roses echo Sweetbriar's namesake, the Sweetbriar Rose, that still grows wild on the property. So now, on with Episode 1,
1: President Wu coming home to Sweetbriar. My name is Meredith Wu. I'm the 13th president of Sweetbriar College. By training, I'm a scholar. I entered grade school when I was seven years old and never left school. Perhaps the fact that I've been a scholar and in academic life practically all my life um, is uh, tampered by the fact that there are a lot of things I did and a lot of places that I lived in that helped broaden my horizon. I lived in Korea. I went to school in Japan and in the United States, which to me was a foreign country when I arrived at 18. And I suppose I traveled four corners of the world. I have also worked in the government and in other walks of life, like making a documentary film. And so uh, I have had an interesting life, but nothing has been as exciting as being a sweetbriar. Young
0: Meredith grew up in a large family in Seoul, South Korea. She is the sixth of seven children in her family, and she adds, And so we obviously learned how to eat really fast. Then when she was 13, she and her father moved to Japan, where she attended an international Catholic high school. What prompted
1: this move? My father was a diplomat. When I was a child, he uh, was assigned to normalize relations between Korea and and Japan in 1965, and he stayed on to uh, conduct economic relationship with Japan. And so I joined him in Tokyo. He actually put me in a Spanish Catholic high school. I learned how to speak Spanish from the nuns. They were from Madrid. They were the handmaidens of the Sacred Heart. I still hold very fond memories of uh, a convent school days in Tokyo. There never was a question in my mind that I would go to the United States. I don't know why. One day, as my senior year began, I was sitting in a coffee shop, sort of a truant. Instead of going to school, I was rifling through a a magazine that was in front of me, and it was called National Geographic. And I get to a page, and I stopped. There was a picture of a house shuttered for winter, and it was heartbreakingly beautiful. And so I took the magazine to the nuns, and I said to Sister Maria Cruz, Sister, Sister, where is this place? And then the sister said, well, it's in a place called Maine. And then she said, this is a very nice place. You will feel right at home in Maine. So I said, Sister, why would I feel right at home in Maine? She said, you come from a country that can be very cold and harsh, and you produce potatoes. In Maine, they produce potatoes, and it's cold, it snows, it's harsh. You will feel right at home. (laughs) So uh, that started the conversation.
0: Later on, Sister Maria Cruz found out that Meredith wanted to study English literature. So she began an investigation she found a small college in Maine where Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and Nathaniel Hawthorne
1: had studied. And the sister told Meredith, That would be a very good school for you to go. And that's how I ended up on early decision to Bowdoin College in Maine. And then I came across Mr. Chaucer. And Mr. Chaucer was very difficult to understand for a foreign student. And I think that was the end of my English lit major career. And then I ended up studying history, which was another major for which I had enough credits. For the longest time, I thought in my mind that I did major in English literature, but it was only when I saw the transcript I realized that it was actually history that I majored in. I say this because I don't necessarily think that majors are terribly important. That, uh, you know, we are getting liberal arts education to learn, most importantly, how to think logically, how to think causally in terms of cause and effect. We study so that we can express ourselves with clarity. We study liberal arts so that we understand something about ethics, accountability, and responsibility and to appreciate the arts and, and beauty in life. And so that's why I forgot what I majored in. But yes, uh, to be perfectly clear on the record, I'll say that I majored in history. My growing up in Korea and being a Korean obviously are very, very important elements in how I think about life and about the world. When I was growing up in Seoul, I had a lot of relatives who came from provinces to stay in Seoul in our house and go to college. And it didn't really strike me as being unusual or odd. It was only in retrospect, I think it is really interesting that everybody felt that they had to get higher education. And my parents took it for granted that it was their responsibility to make sure that uh, these people are fed and uh, cared for so that they can obtain education. You know, I always thought obtaining education was almost a right. Koreans have always cared very deeply about education. You know, Korea has had a very difficult time in the modern period when uh, it was colonized and then it survived the Korean War, only to be one of the most devastated, poor countries in the world. In terms of the number of college graduates per thousand, there were more Koreans in universities in Korea than there were in England. So that tells you a little bit about how, under the most challenging circumstances, people embraced education as the engine of self-betterment and uh, mobility. What it also meant was an ability to make changes and transform themselves and do it without uh, blinking their eyes. And that has always been the case in Korea 44 centuries ago, as it is today. And I think that has influenced me profoundly.
0: In terms of President Wu's collegiate career, her first job was at Northwestern University. She moved up the ranks to full professor and then moved on to the University of Michigan, where she taught as an endowed professor. While there, something she read, just a quick mention in a book, led her to becoming the executive producer of a documentary. It's an award-winning documentary film called The Koryosarum, The Unreliable People.
1: 200,000 Koreans were packed into a cattle train in Vladivostok, Havarosk, which is bordering between North Korea, China, and uh, what was then the Soviet Union. I couldn't find any, any research materials or any mention elsewhere about those 200,000 people, and I wondered, who were they? You know, I had read in the passage that a lot of them got dumped in a place called Kazakhstan, which is, of course, now a fabulously wealthy place in Central Asia. It was the last republic to cede from the Soviet Union. And so I took a bunch of people, my colleagues at the University of Michigan, to go there to create oral archive, because if people were deported, as it turns out, in 1937, during the height of the Great Terror, it stood to reason that these people have died or just about dying, uh, those people that came as children. And so we figured it was important to go interview them before the memory dies with them. It enabled me to see humanity in people of different creed and, and race and ethnicity. And it enabled me to zero in immediately to what is important and what are the shared interest and uh, fate uh, among ourselves as human beings rather than in devious in ways classifying people.
0: I asked President Wu about some of her proudest accomplishments.
1: My proudest accomplishments are the ones that I think I do daily when I go to sleep at night thinking that I really had a great conversation with a student, or I saw that spark in the student's eyes when I said something that uh, rang a bell. And uh, I have some kind of inkling that I made a contribution to Students realizing something they hadn't thought about and then began thinking about these things in unfamiliar ways. Those everyday triumphs is what I think is really important. She left the University of Michigan after answering a call from the University of Virginia to be the Dean of Arts and Sciences basically meant that you're the dean of the academic enterprise that constitutes something like three quarters of University of Virginia. And then when I stepped down, I took a leave of absence after six years. I went to London, where I ran something called Global Higher Education Program. I had an office in London, office in Budapest, and an office in New York, And I mention it because in that context, I think I did something that I am very proud of Uh, as director of the program, which practically gave you unlimited amount of money to support higher education around the world. uh, I supported a university called Asian University for Women. which is located in Chittagong is the second largest city in Bangladesh not far from a city we used to call Calcutta in India during the time of great holocaust against the rohingya people of Burma or as we say Myanmar We created something like 150 scholarships. We began recruiting women, smuggling them out of Myanmar. And then into that university. And we started a program where we give them one year or two years of academy so that people get trained to take three years of British system liberal arts education and then begin graduating them. I mean, they're now coming through the pipeline. And uh, so I guess I am really proud of that work that uh, I was able to ignite.
0: Then in 2017, after two years establishing this program, President Wu was on her way back to the University of Virginia when she got another call from Sweetbire College this time. Sweetbriar's 12th president, Philip Stone, was ready to retire again. So we were looking for our next president.
1: And when I kind of thought about it, I thought, this is a really important call. And I thought that the task ahead for Sweetbriar is a critical one. And if there is any way that I could be useful, I thought I would like to help. And so that's how I ended up at Sweetbriar. You know, in every position that I have taken, I have been what I suppose people these days call change agent, simply because I'm not a bureaucrat. I And bored if I have to basically be a greeter or keep the ship running and, uh, you know, just maintain things. And so I thought that the challenge at Sweet Briar was particularly suited for me. That said, you know, it is one thing to make changes in a stable organization like Mammoth State Universities where regardless of how often you complain about not getting as much money as you want from the state, you still have the state that answers your 911 when you are in trouble. And, you know, I have never been in a situation where you have to make changes, but in the context where everything is volatile. And so this is a more challenging job than I had imagined. That said, I can also say that this has been a more rewarding job than I had imagined. Not necessarily only because we see changes. As a result of working together every day, changes taking place in the students coming in, Changes taking place in the way that we honor our campus, not only through landscape, but also our built environment, working bit by bit by bit, trying to make them come to life so that we're stewarding our inheritance as best we can. But also deeply rewarding because of the people that I work with. The faculty who are committed to our students and to our institution. The alumni that love Sweet Briar, not just because they went to Sweet Briar, but because Sweet Briar means something to them. It means something for the nation. It means something for the future. And their dedication to the generation of new students coming in, that is very rewarding. I have learned the meaning in a new way of friendship and above all, meaning of commitment. I love this place.
0: Thank you for listening to Sweet Stories in the Dell. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and then come back next month for Episode 2, At the Core. It speaks to the new core curriculum at Sweetbriar that's been
1: intentionally designed for shaping women leaders. And I thought, I saw a whole lot of women like this among the women I've met who were shaped by the experience at Sweetbriar. I said, why wouldn't we look at these traits as the traits, fundamentally, of leadership? And I thought, this is female leadership. This is exactly the leadership we need in the 21st century. So we said, let's do it. We can define what leadership is in the context of Sweetbriar. We're just going to do it much more intentionally.
0: And the last thing, I'd like to thank my pod squad. It's a group of my alumna friends, Elle Warner, Jane Dewar, Mitzi Morgan, Deanne Blanton, and staff member Clay Lee Steckle. Their suggestions and all-around Vixen support really do help make this podcast a joy to produce.
1: Thanks, y'all.